Welcome back to the Cave of Solitude, your pop culture and comic book podcast coming to you from the megacity metropolis of Toronto. I'm your host, Eric Anthony, and this is episode 259, hanging out with my pal, Dax Gordine. mic is great you sound okay. clear you look good people can't see it it's not a video podcast it but, but you, you you showed up uh all spruced up <laughs> dax gordine thank you for coming back to the cave of solitude i had a real fun time the last uh, the last episode we did together uh thank you for returning how are you well first of all thanks for having me i had a blast last time on on this uh the show with you uh, I think it was the first one I did on my quote-unquote press tour for uh, for the Forest Folk uh, Kickstarter thing. And uh, yeah, no, I had a great time chatting with you and was more than happy when you uh, asked me to come back. I don't even know what we're, we're doing on here today, and that's that's half the fun. So. That, that's, that's You know what? I, I really enjoy um, when you have return guests that you kind of hang out with. And... They may be promoting something or there may be work that that they want to talk about, things that they're working on or something that has been released. But when you just are able to create like a camaraderie and you can come on and bullshit with friends, it makes the people like you almost want to support the people just because you like them at that point. (laughs) Fair enough. Right. So that's kind of fun. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Forest Folk Folk, uh, was a huge hit. I think everyone kind of predicted it and thought that it would be. Were you surprised at how well the Kickstarter did? Yeah, I didn't predict it at all. I was I was uh, s- scared uh, for all of the kick. Well, not all the Kickstarter, but the, I remember leading up to and then the first uh, night or, or two because uh, we hit our goal pretty quick. But my thing was just I was so scared, dude, of like just not getting funded. You know what I mean? Like we needed 16 G's because that was for printing costs. And then basically you have to double that for more or less for what shipping is, right? Because we had shipping built into, like, we built shipping into our goal. Because, I mean, basically, I, I didn't know this, but Kickstarter, you, but, like, everything, all the money that goes into, that comes in, gets put to your total, right? So, I mean, like, if you just charge for the book mm-hmm. and, then, and then wait until the end to hit with shipping... Right. And you're, you're like that, that money still has to be charged on top of it. So we wanted it all up front saying like, if you're going to support this, this is the shipping cost and it all goes in kind of thing. Right. Yeah. So we, we want to make sure we didn't get burned with shipping and all that kind of stuff. So we, we went with 16 K and I was really nervous because uh, I mean, it's a lot of money and, and I, you know, I'm a relative unknown in the sense that, and I didn't know if I would have enough, like I've got some family, but I didn't think that, you know, it would be enough. So but yeah, I was more. I was blown away. I was blown away. Uh, I think we were like, I guess what? That's over two hundred percent funded or something like that. Fantastic. Oh, probably 250 percent funded or something like that. We ended up with like forty two k or something like that. So Tremendous. I was able to get out some pretty cool stretch goals, and uh, <clears throat> uh, yeah, I'm really excited to give the fans uh, all the stuff that actually we're, we're we're shipping this week. So like, this stuff is starting to slowly roll out. So anyone who has uh, pledged and might be listening to this uh your stuff will be shipping out soon i'm one of them so i'm excited yeah you are that's right my wife actually said when we uh when when she met you at uh, the toronto fan expo fan expo canada 
I always confuse that in the Comic Con. Yeah, um, yeah. She said, "Do you have Do you have Forest Folk?" I said, uh, "No." And she goes, "Well, why don't we buy one? Because I actually want to read it." And I said, "Well, it's coming. It's on its yeah, way." Yeah, yeah. So she's she's actually really excited about that coming, so that she could read it. That's so, so that's cute. that's really cool. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, no, I remember. I remember you coming to the desk. That was fun, by the way, Fan Expo. I mean, it was so. It has been two years since I've done anything like that, right? So it was cool, um, and seeing people and talking to people again and stuff. And um, and then when you showed up and uh, basically saved Braid's oh. uh, panel there, <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> thank uh, so you. thank you again for that. Uh, for people that don't know, basically the panels of the cons, you know, you're set up for them and whatnot. And and uh, we had a whole bunch of things go wrong, and all of a sudden it's like oh, it's noon, it's time for your panel. And like Ramon wasn't there because he was doing something and got caught up outside of the state. He wasn't even there. Like, it's not like he was, he just wasn't available. And uh, we didn't, so I think he was going to emcee it or something. I don't know what was going to happen. Okay. I was going to go up and talk with Forest Folk, blah, 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 long story short. Ended up Sam Noir took the reins, grabbed us all from the table, took us over. And thankfully you were there because you, basically emceed it and and kind of you know and and ran ran it because if it was just us kind of spouting stuff it would have not come across as professional so thank you once again eric for that oh no problem my pleasure i'd uh it was it was a real honest pleasure to do it because i had uh i'm friends with quite a few people now from raid sam shane yourself uh, i've had andy dorlin on and uh i know that i'm missing people that i've had on the show Oh, Marcus yeah. Toe, duh, Marcus Toe, I've had on the show. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and, and um, you, you become so closely related to the studio and some of the projects that people are working on that it was easy in that way. Like, I was happy to be the one to kind of, to, to, to be there because you, myself and even Martin Slam Duncan, shout out to Martin, we're so yeah, closely Martin, related yeah. to all you artists and writers now. So when we can help out or pinch hit, it's, it's a real pleasure for us. So I was happy I to, to have done it. Yeah, that was awesome. But yeah, I know. So I, I remember you coming to the, the table too and saying uh, uh, that you said, oh, I want to get one, but I've got one coming in the mail. I'm like, oh, well, shit, that's awesome. Like, uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's right. We can cuss on this, right? Yes, There's you a, can you say know, whatever you like. Yeah. All right. So yeah, um, I was like, oh, cool. So, and, I, and I remember that you had bought one and I just, it was just a really cool, really cool kind of vibe to just be like, be able to shoot the shit over that and, and kind of, you know, appreciate the fact that, you know, you got your friends supporting you and people that didn't even really know me at the time supporting me. So it was just a really cool experience. How did you find the um, the Fan Expo? Had you been to the one that the last one that they had had? Were you a regular um, person yeah. going to cons? No, no, no. The last one before lockdown was my first con in probably eight years. Oh, wow. So, and, so I hadn't done one since then. And this was my first one back. So I've only done two cons in the past two and a half years or whatever. Crazy. So... Um, yeah, no, I, uh, I don't know if I mentioned this in the last time I was on, but like I had a real hate, hate relationship with cons. Uh, <laughs> I, never, I never really did a lot of them. Hate, hate. Um, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Coming up with them because I was never big in comics, right? Like I was more the animation guy and I was doing that. So, but for a brief stint when I was with Udon, I think I probably mentioned that before, but like I did kind of, you know, bit work with Udon and, you know, like uh, art role playing game art and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're, they're sub projects, not like this is when Alvin Lee was doing like Deadpool and shit like that. You know what I mean? Like it was at that time at Udon and Street Fighter just started with them. So uh, I was kind of, you know, filling in and doing stuff wherever it was needed and whatnot. So I remember one year, I think it was, it was a fan expo, but it was probably about eight years ago. 
Joe Vereen and I, I don't know if you know who Joe Vereen is, but he's another raid guy. And he's, if you just look him up on social, you'll, he's a great buddy of mine from college. He's a, a mega star artist guy. And uh, he, him and I were like, let's go to Comic Con and we'll get an artist alley table and, you know, we'll, we'll do commissions. Cause at that time we had started doing something like we'd start doing a live stream. We'd started doing Joe GTV and it was basically a drink and draw. And this was again, like eight, nine years ago. We did it for three years. Uh, 2013, I think we started or something like that. 2016, does that sound right? Yeah. About that. And, uh, and we had a great time doing that. We would just drink every night, every Friday night, draw stuff and talk to fans. And like, they would, you know, we'd have those followers that would like watch the show all the time and stuff. So we were kind of like, let's do a Joji TV kind of like the two of us doing cons. You know, I think we did Niagara con that year as well, but the one in the falls. Um, but anyway, so this, this fan expo, I remember we stayed at Alvin Lee's house, mm. right? Cause we didn't want to rent. Like, you know, we bought the table. We didn't have a lot of money. Like we rented our table and we were crashing on an Alvin's couch, you know, uh, three days of cons. Uh, I think I barely paid for my part of the table with commission work. Right. Crazy. So I was just all grumpy by the end of it. Just like, I am not coming back to cons whatsoever until, <laughs> until I think there's two things. One, I'm, I'm a, I'm a name that people will come and want to talk to like talk to me. Right. So I've got something established where like, I'm, you know, whatever, or hand in hand of that is like, have something to push, have my own thing, have something that is actually there. And I'm not just going, can I draw you a cable or a, you know, a Deadpool or something like that? You know what I mean? Um, so that was my thing. And then I just basically abandoned cons for all that time. And then, uh, I ended up doing, the one with Ray because I just joined up with Ray two years ago, more or less. And uh, at that point, the whole idea of doing Kickstarters and Force Folk was a seedling kind of thing. But I, I jumped in on that Raid 3 anthology. And that's why two years ago when they released Raid 3, uh, I was, they said, well, are you going to come to the con? Because we're going to do a big thing. Like all of us were sitting there. We had the big row because uh, at Fan Expo, they... Uh, they have a good presence. Raid has a good presence there. So I jumped in on that, and that's where uh, that all started. So that's why I was back at – that's when I went, you know what? If I'm with Raid and I'm doing Raid stuff, I'll come to cons and do the thing, do the grind. Right. And then this year with Force Folk actually being in my hand, I was like, well, this is what – I you know, put your money where your mouth is. This is <laughs> – you know, you've got something to sit with now. So I, I went to the con and sat there with my book in front of me and uh, and had some fun with it. So yeah, it was, it was a cool experience. How did it feel? Open. How did it feel this it's, time having a book that you've published or have had? Yeah, published? It, felt, it felt really good. I mean, I honestly, I mean, and this is, I'm not trying to sound um, ungrateful. I'm just giving you the real, the, you know, the hard yeah. truth here. I had a much bigger, I had higher expectations for myself, right? With this, like, I'm like, oh, okay, well, if based on the very brief thing I did in Guelph was anything, just like I did a, a, a kind of like a mall outside of the Dragons. I can't remember what it's called. There's a store in Guelph. Damn, I forget the name of it. Butchering it. Anyway, there's a there's a there's a very cool comic store there. I'll have to maybe give you that, and you can post it. No, no notes. problem. Um, and uh, I went there, for, and we ended up just sitting outside that with the raid crew and did the mini kind of like mall con, almost right, like for you know, a bunch of people that walk through. And so I was all like, okay, well, if I extrapolate those numbers and people are going to be hungry at Fan Expo and it's, you know, so I'm like, oh, if I can finally start selling copies of this book and, you know, you know, make a dent in some kind of, you know, debts and stuff. I'm like, yeah, this is going to be great. It's going to start making me money now. And I got there and it, 
the, by the end of the weekend, I was like, I'd spent more money on the night out on Friday than I made at the con. <laughs> yeah. But it was like, you know what, at that, at that point, I'm like, I had overstepped my, my expectations were too high. I got talked down by the raid crew. You know what I mean? Like they, they pulled me off the, the art ledge and made me realize how cool it was. And I was like, yeah, I'm being a total idiot right here. I mean, my ego was a little like I thought it was just going to do a lot better than it did. And it's not to say it won't in the future, but I mean, it is still very young. And uh, the the, band, the good thing I took from that was that everyone who walked by, who had no clue who I was, right here, I'm thinking everyone's all of a sudden going to know who I am. But um, everyone who walked by had no idea who I was, picked up the book and looked at it, and all the comments were positive. You know what I mean? So that's what I take away from that that con. I take away from the fact that like just random passerbyers would look at it and go, Oh, cool. This reminds me of Calvin and Hobbes or that, you know, this reminds me of Looney Tunes or this reminds me of like, this is cool. Is this kid friendly? Yeah. Okay, cool. I'll buy one for my kid for Christmas. Like just cold, cold buys, you know what I mean? Like not knowing who I am, just kind of like seeing a book and, and picking it up. So that was a very, very positive experience for me. And, um, overshadowed the negativity that I, I start off, started the whole weekend off with, uh, the con blues, I call them, but, uh, yeah, no, it was great. And of course, meeting people, meeting new people, hanging out with people, the raid uh, mini 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 gallery uh, Dracula Visions party was pretty sweet. Yeah, had a great time that night. Um, yeah, it was a great weekend overall. It was a lot of fun to see people again out out of the con situation. I know. I, I hear you. It, speaking of like the expectations that you had, especially because uh, we finally got asked to help out hosting panels and whatnot. Um, that was always something that I really wanted to do from when I started the podcast. People would say, oh, what do you want to, where do you want it to take you? I said, I want to be able to go to these uh, shows, whether it's in my city or within the vicinity or even if it's away from home. And I'm no, I become known as like the, the panel guy, the go-to panel guy. Oh, that's what I want. And awesome. so, so you, it happens this year and you go to these panels and, and there's nowhere for people to sit. And so you're just like, I'm finally here and there's no audience is anyone listening out there you know so i i get that mm. feeling that you had so but that happened to you that happened to you to this con yeah it happened to me because yeah. I, and it's not that there was nobody there but i had yeah. um i had the real privilege of being able to host a panel with jim's up right oh nice yeah yeah i know jim we great go way back to yeah from udon right so mm-hmm. super cool dude writing so many different books a lot to talk about mm. and you, you would think yeah. people would want to see a, a panel like that and there was people yeah. there thanks again to martin who was asking great questions to to at the end of the panel but um yeah it was it was almost like a practice it was like a practice yeah. getting back into the game as we're figuring this thing out in this new uh you know after the ac mm-hmm. the after corona life yeah. that we're going to be living you know so um a good little practice run seeing what it feels like and hopefully the next time around it'll be you know double what it was this time it doesn't have to be you know a hundred and fifty thousand people all over each other but a little more vendors a little bit more foot traffic it'll it'll be good it was a good practice run yeah no i agree i expected there to be a lot more people there than like when they say it's like i assumed it was at 50 percent or whatever the covid numbers were um, but I assumed it to seem a lot more big, like full than that. You know what I mean? I know certain areas were, were fuller than others, but I mean, I, I noticed a very distinctly kind of dribble, like even on the high day, like Saturday and, you know, like, uh, like the main days that are supposed to be the biggest of cons, it was consistent, but it was, it wasn't like 
we all know cons to be like, you know yeah. what I mean? I kind of yeah. expected a lot more traffic. Um, but yeah, no, um, it was still like, yeah, it was still very cool to kind of see people walking around again and having fun and doing the, the cosplay and, 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 you know, being excited about books and, and comics and art and anime and all that kind of stuff. It was fun. Yeah. It was, a, it was a good return to something normal again. Like you don't realize how much little things you, you, you missed out on, like something you enjoyed that when yeah. it does come back around, it's like, ah, there we go. This is, we're back out and about again, taking the train yeah. to the con or whatever it is that you do. You see a crowd yeah. of people and you're and you're going towards it instead of feeling like, what the heck are people doing outside? It yeah, felt yeah. it felt good. Although I will say, I will say, the mask having to wear a mask all day behind the bench was annoying. Yes, I mean everyone, no one loves wearing a mask all the time. I'm not saying I'm you know I, no. I'm, I'm any different than anyone else, but I will say like when you're sitting there trying to have a talk or even just sitting there you know waiting for people to come up or you're doing your sketches. You know, and we, we, we weren't like you had to go eat in a different room yeah. and you couldn't eat behind the table. And so it was just kind of like it, you were just always masked up. And even if like you weren't didn't have anyone within 20 feet of you, yeah. the rules were you still had a mask on, right? So yeah. it was kind of like a. I'm like, ready. Yeah, I'm no, ready I, for that shit to go away. That I yeah. am. I have no problem when they say, yeah, it's no longer necessary. I'll be yeah, fine. That would be a great that. day for me as well. <laughs> I, I can't wait for that. So, <laughs> um, what's something you learn about? this process, whether it learned in yourself or just in, uh, running a Kickstarter and seeing things that work, seeing things that maybe you would do different. What, what did you come, what did you leave with when it was all said and done? From the Kickstarter itself? Yeah. The Kickstarter, that oh, experience. Man. Yeah. Like I learned what next time it, we basically, I mean, Raid, uh, me and Ramon, uh, and of course everyone else that's on the bike, Sam, that's manages it a lot. And, and Rob, uh, the shipping guy, as well as, uh, kind of like a mainstream handler there. Um, we kind of like, all laugh about it now because, uh, we already know hands down how much more streamlined it'll be next time around. Okay. Uh, as it was a successful first one, but there was a lot of hiccups that we can, that we know right now are easy fixes. Um, uh, stretch goals and stuff like that we we went and I, I still stand by this like you know I wanted to give the fans you know like a ton of stuff based on you know just supporting and whatnot but you can based on the rest of Kickstarter and stuff like that I realized you don't have to do every $1,000 you don't have to give a stretch goal you know what I mean like we're going to make better stretch goals but like lengthen them out you know what I mean like not like we were like literally hitting every thousand it was like okay here's a digital book here's a digital print here's a this here's a postcard here's this you know so it just became a lot you know what i mean like it became a lot of extra things that just kind of add up that you don't kind of at the time you're like yeah just just do it just get it and give it to them give it to them um so yeah like just things like that are gonna be streamlined uh, for the next book which actually drop a drop a little nugget here as the first probably public discussion of this but uh i think uh, forest folk volume two is actually in raids calendar for next spring so it'll be like another like a March or April-ish kind of, you know, kicking off the spring Kickstarter as a second volume. Because I've got like, I think probably three volumes of material for Forest Folk sitting That's around. Awesome. So, I mean, like my my dream is to like have like that collection, you know what I mean? Like that, that you know, nice hardcover one someday kind of thing. I mean, that's a distant future type thing. But uh, yeah, doing like a nice collection and maybe, or maybe even giving like, like one of those, you can get like a, one of those hardcover slipcase things yeah, that yeah. will fit all three of them in it or some shit like that. That'd be so awesome. yeah, I mean, yeah, we're excited about that. I'm excited about that. We know what we're gonna do to tackle the next one. Plus, you've already got we already have our template, right? So I said, listen, 
keep it simple, stupid. K-I-S-S. Yeah. Like, let's just reuse that exact format. We'll slot in some new art, but like literally all your banner tag, like all your banners, the the basics of all the kicks, the way our page was laid out, we're just going to be able to slot stuff in. So that's so much time saved, right? So things like that we learned. Perfect. Um, yeah. Did you see? Did you see Sheldon's uh, Sheldon's Kickstarter? No, I didn't. Sheldon Carter's. He basically it was the second. Um, it was after mine. So after my Kickstarter, probably I think it only just finished. So I think it started in early late October, early early October. Anyway, it was for a prose novel. I didn't know what this was called, but a prose something or other is the novel. So it's just like yeah. a, like, a little, like an actual yeah no, science fiction novel that one of the writers at Raid or not. He's a writer that hangs out with Ray. He works with Eric Vedder. You know Eric Vedder? Yeah. Did you meet him? Yes. So his buddy that works on, with him on Arden, writing and creating Arden, um, wrote a novel. And so when Ray was awesome. having these meetings about like who wants to do something for Kickstarter, like what years ago, right? Uh, yeah. Sheldon was like, I have a book I want to do. So at the time, it was like, oh, I don't know how we're going to ha- handle tackling novels because it's a little different than art. You know, we're used to doing our art books and stuff. But anyway, they ended up doing it, and he was like seven hundred percent funded or something stupid. Like they needed, I think the goal was like six grand or something, and he ended up with almost forty. Amazing! It was unbelievably successful, and I'm so happy for the guy. Like the product is amazing. I bought myself a copy. Like I was pumped. Like for for the guy. Uh, So I mean. Uh, it's it's just a really good vibe right now, right? Everyone's feeling pretty good and pumped and positive and like excited to get their ideas out there. You know what I mean and stuff. So, yeah, it's 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 been a good run so far. They're they're t- raid is taking a break over Christmas. We were gonna do raid four, like, right off the back of that, but it just there was too much. It was candles burning at both ends. Ramon, poor guy, was burning out. You know what I mean? And uh, you know, real life work had to kind of come in. You know, and because you still have your deadlines, right? You still yeah. gotta pay the bills. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, I think he was just burning himself too thin because he does a lot of work for these things, a lot of work. And uh, so the decision was made that uh, next early next quarter will be things like Raid 4 and Forceful 2 and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, it's exciting times at Raid for sure. Yeah, you guys uh, are, are hitting a lot of home runs. It's uh, It's really exciting to see everybody uh, putting out their projects, their labors of love, their passion projects, things that maybe they've always wanted to do but have been scared to, you know, step forward with the idea. Like you were saying before, you weren't sure that you would, uh, anybody would want to support what you got, right? And, and it yeah. turns out that no, it's it's a hit, and people people are very even people who didn't see the Kickstarter when they are walking through the con and see the product because it's a quality product, and it's it's so cool that. to see people that. Um, you saw coming up all kind of getting their their dream come true it's really nice yeah no it's it's so cool it's it's just it's it's been a it, i didn't what it's so it's so weird because like when i say oh i published a book you know or i made a book it seems like i'm i, I don't want to come off as arrogant like it seemed but being to me it's such a big deal like yeah. a lot of people probably your average person probably just doesn't care right no but or like they're like well you're an artist so don't you already have books but most people probably do, but I, this is the first one. This is going to be a special one for me forever because it's the first one that I've sold. Like I've been in books that have been published before, my art, but it's not my baby. It's not my thing. Right. Uh, I don't own it. This is the first time in a 22-year career that I've you know uh, developed and with the help of uh, with Raid uh, Press 
mean, my own book. So it's, it's a very big deal for me. And so this year has been kind of a very cool, um, just kind of coasting on that vibe, you know what I mean? Just kind of just being excited. And I'll never forget, I, I posted on um, uh, social media. I don't do many, like, videos on social media. I usually mm-hmm. do just, you know, your art posts or whatever. But on my my reels on, on Instagram, I did a, a reel of me cracking open. The, fir- the first time I saw the book, I cracked it open. The first thing I did was stick my nose in the book and smell <laughs> the glue. I'm a huge book glue guy. Me if too. it doesn't have the right glue smell, me too. It takes, it takes a star off the book for me. You know what I mean? So I thought uh, I was. The fact I thought that I, I opened crazy. it up and I smelled my own glue, and it, it made it reminded <laughs> me of my old. It reminded me of the old books. You know, it reminded me of the Calvin Hobbes, the Garfields, and stuff like that. It just it, it was just a really cool nostalgic kind of like yeah thing for me. So yeah, it was a cool time. Oh, I get it, man. When uh, when you create something in an art form that you love, and you can either read it, look at it, listen to it, whatever the case may be, there's uh, very few things in life that are quite as satisfying as something that you've made. You know, mm-hmm. whether, whether uh, it's music or anything, it's just that thing mm-hmm. like this is, a, this is something of mine. It came from my imagination or I, I found the inspiration somewhere and here it is. And there's nothing quite like that. So yeah, man, you gotta, we gotta, there's this sort of that imposter syndrome that we all kind of struggle with, no matter what it is we're doing. I find even yeah. people who are tradespeople in my line of work, a lot of apprentices come up and, and they suffer with imposter syndrome. And it's like, just go to work and shut up. Like, make the eight hours go by, right? You don't got to. Yeah. But everybody really wants to make sure that they live up to whatever the, the tag or the title is that they've got. And when you do something good, or when you've created something, own it. Like like for you, like, yeah, I published a book. I have a mm-hmm. book with my name on it and everything is from my brain. And yeah. it, people might say, well, it's not that good, but it doesn't matter if they what they think. <laughs> it's the fact that you made it. It's amazing. Yeah. No, for sure. I, I totally get what you're saying 100%. 100%. Who, do you, who do you identify with in Forest Folk? Is there a character that you enjoy <laughs> writing or that is kind of yeah. like your avatar? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So for me, um, I don't know if I brought this up last time, but um, Thomas started the whole thing for me. And Thomas is the little, basically, yeah. he's the sidekick in this, the way that this story has evolved. He's basically like the sidekick who, you know, Phil, it's Filbert's show, right? Filbert's the blue fox who basically is the main protagonist or slash character in the, in the, in the comic strip. Um but Thomas holds a special place for me because he's like, ever since I've, I don't know why it is, but like all like, I remember mostly in animation and stuff like that, but all the characters that I was drawn towards, my character in my third year animated film was like a mute kid character. Basically it's all like, I was not necessarily mute in the sense of like, I don't like they physically can't talk, but it's just like the kind of that magic of like the pantomime in animation and cartoons and drawing of just like, where like, you know, like whenever you see those characters, like, that don't speak in all Disney movies and all animated movies. They're the ones you, they're usually the cutest and because like their acting is what draws you to them. Like the, why do we love dogs? Because you look at them and they do stuff and you think it's adorable, right? Like that kind of thing has always kind of drawn me to those characters. <laughs> so um, when I started, when I created Thomas, like for an Inktober, I think it was like in 2013 or something like that, like a long, long time ago. Uh, he was just this, you know, a little elf who had a magic pen and, uh, could draw stuff like Simon, uh, an old school reference there, the the guy draw with his chalk and turn things to life. 
So basically that was my kind of thing. And I, 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 w- I was, I was originally going to do Thomas and I probably still will at some point, uh, do like kids, but I was doing like these one-off illustrations. A lot of them, if you go deep, if you take a deep dive into my, uh, Instagram, uh, you'll, or socials, you'll see Thomas drawings that were kind of like on like a Brown watercolor kind of parchment paper style thing. And they were just one-off silent or images with no talking, nothing. It was just like these, like, you know, Thomas, painting a fence or whatever like that. Right. So I had this, I was creating this world with him and uh, with the intent to do a kid's books with it, novels and whatnot. Um, and then when I did it about two or three years later, I've did it in October again. And in the same vein of just making it up as I went along, came up with this Filbert character on day like three and started writing a little rhyme. And by probably day five, I had him meeting Thomas just as like, I, you know, he walks in the forest. Oh, he comes to this treehouse. How quaint, kind of thing like that. And then, but then I started liking the idea of that they kind of these two worlds kind of collided. And before you know it, at the end of October, they I finished the story off real cute. They became friends. Thomas saves them. Da 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 da. Silver gets into trouble. Thomas saves them. About two months later, I make forest folk based on this mashup of desires and timing and inspiration. Uh, I'm like, you know, I want to do something creative. Da, 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 da. What am I going to do? I love Calvin and Hobbes. The Saturday morning comic strips were like something I grew up on. I could probably do one a day. Like the reason why I didn't get into the kids books and I was scared away from, you know, doing comics and stuff like that is just the time investment for that. And my brain couldn't get myself to go. A lot of our people will probably understand that. Like it's that paralysis by just the sheer amount of work you'd have to put into it. You know, I was kind of like, if I do like bite-sized chunk creation, right? I can do it. You know what I mean? I'm like, maybe I can do, I can write a quick little gag strip. You know, I can do something quick. And then fast forward to now, before you know it, you've got 300 plus comics. That's so cool. I did not answer your question at all. Thomas was the start of that. <laughs> That's a long way around to that. So Thomas was the start of that. <laughs> and just the way he acts, like he's just like that perfect pure soul. I he, He's like kind of like what you... I wish I could be, you know, just like super nice, super friendly all the time. Never has a mean bone in his body other than when he's like, you know, um, getting Filbert back for something. Or I find that like in, in the comic, like Filbert will try and trick him sometimes. But then just because he's, I don't know, the magical quote unquote, whatever, he'll just all of a sudden be behind him and hit him with a snowball. You know what I mean? And, and Filbert will go down and be like, how do you always do that? Like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So that's about as evil as Thomas gets. So he's just a really pure kind of character. Um, writing wise, I love writing Filbert because he's like the antithesis to that. Like he's like the, uh, vain, uh, just self-absorbed, goofy, not so bright, thinks that everyone else like doesn't like socially, he, he just kind of like lives in his own world and just assumes people kind of understand what he's saying while mm-hmm. he's doing all these things like vain mm-hmm. and being vain and all that kind of stuff. So he's kind of in his own little world, and that's just kind of fun to, to write. All the other characters just kind of usually are one form or another of kind of bantering with that and kind of like either putting up with him or or calling him out, right? right. So that's pretty much the, how the story goes. But I would say enjoyment-wise, Filbert really pushes the story with his attitude, and I love writing that because it's really kind of like extreme a lot of the times. Right. Like no idea is is too extreme for filbert to say have his take on it so he's a lot of fun to write and create for it's funny because you describe thomas uh the way you describe thomas is before i ever got a chance to speak to you is how people described you like thomas oh really yeah 
Yeah, it's always very nice, kind things. He's the nicest guy. He's just the best. Oh, wow. Yeah, very, very kind things. Who are you talking to? I need to send them some money or something. <laughs> um, it's it's guys in the studio that were recommending that I talk to you. So nice. in the, thank your your studio mates. But and then is there also because you see this as a character that you would like to be like in your mind, but a lot of people think you're like that character already in the case of Philbert is that also a character that you would kind of like to be like or do you think like that's how the world perceives you <laughs> well I hope they don't perceive me as that <laughs> but I definitely feel like I definitely feel like his confidence if I was if I'm to broad picture this I mean yeah. I'm, con- I'm a pretty confident guy I'm not I'm definitely not like you know all, all nervous and scared all the time and stuff like that but I mean uh, just the sheer confidence in his self that Philbert has. I'm sure I wish I could dabble into that from time to time, you know, uh, when I'm feeling a little down or a little uh, not sure of myself. But uh, um, no, I definitely don't. I feel like he's, yeah, I guess I really hope I don't, people don't think I'm, I'm sure there's always going to be a little bit of you in your craft, but I really hope that people <laughs> don't think I'm as I'm, I'm as annoying as Philbert is. But uh, although in all, in all fairness, a lot of people like Philbert because he's because he's such a pain in the ass and because he's so he speaks his mind and stuff. Like I would say, if you had to guess, like if you had to like poll people as far as characters are in the story, they'd probably say Philbert. I was actually really disappointed. Here's another throwback insider information to the Kickstarter. We did T-shirts okay. right, as one of the, part of the tiers. And I the think first, I picked the one. first and only yeah. T-shirt at the first point in time was uh, a Filbert for President shirt that Ramon kind of whipped up. And I'm like, that is the coolest idea. Shit. Yes, let's put T-shirts in here. Sure enough, we put the first shirt on and people were putting it on their orders and stuff. I'm like, okay, cool. Why don't we like once every two weeks or a week put on a new shirt? Right? We already have the art. It's not a big deal. Or I can make, drop a quick little drawing, whatever. It's not a big deal. So we said, let's audience engagement. Let's do a poll, see who people want. So I'm already drawing Thomas head. Like I'm like Thomas. I mean, he's he's been day one, like yeah. ride or die with Philbert. Like first comic has Thomas in it, you know. Then there's the barista, Barry the barista. There's the you know Benny the bunny. There's Gus the grumpy cat. There's like there's other. But they've come in far later in the, in the story. And then, sure enough, I was dev is because we were basing it on poll as to what the next one was when the poll came i looked at the poll numbers and i was like devastated thomas was at the bottom no. of the list my care like my baby was like at the very bottom <laughs> like, you know what i mean my mom my mom and my sister love thomas but other than that it was like bury the barista because he serves coffee everyone was into the coffee puns and memes and stuff like that and then there, and then it went down there from there all the way like Ollie the Otter was next in line and then it went down to uh to Thomas at the bottom. So I was I was devastated by that. Thomas is not as loved as I feel like I would have he... picked Thomas. I don't remember which one I picked, but I think you pre- please pardon my dog. She's just roaming around here. I can't um, even hear it so you're fine. Okay. It doesn't matter. There was a moment she, when you dog would, be as loud as they want. I don't care. Yeah. There was a moment when you said everybody loves dogs and then she put her head up and looked at me as you <laughs> described exactly why we love them. Um I think I picked it off of the color of the shirt right. more than just cuz I think if there was just the right Thomas, I probably would have picked Thomas. Cuz yeah, he is yeah, a cute yeah. character. Uh, that makes sense too, right? Cuz the color of the shirt matters, right? Cuz we weren't doing like 
yeah, you weren't. It's not like it was like a red bubble or whatever where you could just put it on any color shirt. Like we were picking right. specific. Cause it just the ordering gets out of control when you have to have like you know third party ordering kind of like okay now you go pick your size your shirt and all this kind. So I think that's yeah that makes sense that it's a color based thing. But yeah, so don't don't um, be too hard on don't be too hard on. No, Thomas. I just I, and I <laughs> and I've made my peace with it. It just made me laugh when I'm like, how can my baby boy be uh, be be hated on so much by the public? I mean, like I've got friends who let my buddy he he does it just also to rub me the wrong way. But he goes, hey man, because he bought the uh, Inktober tier, which gives you like a random. Uh, one of the original Inktober kind of drawings that I've done over the years with Filbert or Force Folk themed. So that was one of the tiers and he bought that tier and he goes, if you send me a fucking Thomas, I'm going to burn that shit. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, I want Filbert. So I'm like, I had for him because he's like, he's down the street, right? I had to make sure I pulled him a Filbert one out specific, you know, for my buddy. But uh, <laughs> You should yeah, send him a Thomas just as a gag. I should say sorry, yeah, buddy. There was no no filberts left over for you, so yeah, yeah that's good. Yeah, you know what I should do. That take care of the I'll fans first. One. I'll give him the worst one too. Yeah, like you know, when you had a bad drawing day and I just drew Tom Thomas all wrong, I'll send him <laughs> that one. Exactly. Um, aside from the success of Forest Folk and the Raid Four coming out, is there any other things that you're working on that you can? tell us about or is it uh still we got to wait for the word <laughs> <laughs> well i can tell you about i can kind of tell you i mean because in between uh probably the last time i was on here i don't know if i mentioned that i was doing i probably couldn't at that time because it hadn't been released yet but i worked on my a huge project uh was uh the giant size little marvels with scotty young and uh the marvel crew we did nine issues of a digital comic hmm. that was on um based on his characters the you know the baby marvels um we did uh, he wrote them and then i illustrated it uh a, a comic strip style like kind of scrolling comic for the marvel unlimited app so that that relaunched or that launched this year i think it was sometime probably in august i think is when it launched and uh so they punched out that the, the nine strips that we did and i think they just finished probably the end of october or middle of october and so that was huge. I mean, that was something I couldn't obviously talk about for about a year. Um, but uh, from what I know, it was uh, well received. Um, I can't, the thing this kind of bums me out is I can't share all the art, you know what I mean? Because it's like, it's not mine. It's on a, pay, it's behind a paywall. It's a Marvel on, on the app, right? It's not like just like a free thing. Okay. So you can't really be, uh, I can't be posting pics unless Marvel themselves post them. So, uh, but that was a huge project to work on. And, uh, May or may not be doing some more soon. That's tremendous. May or may not. But yeah, that was a lot of fun, that project. So How does it feel, man? Other like, I'm just doing design work right now, too, yeah. for like unknown video games and stuff like that that people are pitching and whatnot. So. But that, that's, that's I mean, you didn't have to quit your day job. You still kept the, the paying the bills. You published a yeah. book of something that... And I think that's really interesting because I, I feel sometimes people... They're in a rush to have the house built in, because they compare to how other people do it. And, I, and it's really important to hear your story because it, it's a perfect example of letting the journey do what it's supposed to do. And you, you did this almost like as a challenge to yourself. It started as the germ of an idea with Thomas. And then you've got enough material to have three volumes. Like volume two is, is ready to go. And 
what it is is that sometimes it is that slow grind. Don't bite off more than you can chew because you won't even want to get started. But if you just mm-hmm. maybe build a deck and then after the deck you're going to make a gazebo. And then before you know it, you've got a whole yard and, and a garden and you, you didn't realize because you didn't look at the whole graphic novel. 100%. You know? 100%. And it's kind of like, for me, that's how I work best. And like, and like my, even in my storytelling, I feel most comfortable. Like I'm not a good, like I'm not a writer by, by trade. So if it comes to sitting down and actually writing a big plot from point A to point B, big story, graphic novel, comic, even, you know, 25 pages, like arcs and all this kind of stuff, that, that would take me forever. The reason why I've enjoyed and continued to do this is because it's literally one off, like literally six beat pacing, six panel pacing jokes or gags or bits of story that I can extend if I want to over time. But again, it falls into that category of I like to create, it's kind of cheating in a sense because it's like what I create as I go. So like my, my, my whole story has been, if you look at it all back now, there's some semblance of like this kind of community in this world and stuff like that, but it was all made in bite-sized chunks. And I kind of let that dictate how, like once I look back and go, oh, I took, I've, I've made Thomas react this way five times to like, he always seems to act this way. You know, I mean, sometimes there might be, I, I go on a different tangent sometimes, you know, with the strip, but most often than not, like this guy's personality is X, you know, this character's personality is X. They always seem to react this way to Tom Filbert and Filbert always acts this way. Before you know it, you've got like a character uh, background and like they actually feel like they're like a, a full rounded kind of character just based on, you know, months or months and months and months of single one shot kind of joke gag things. Right. So, and when I realized that was happening, I was like, oh, this is cool. So now I'm, it may not be the right way to do it, but it's kind of like how I'm doing it. It's not like it's a bad way to do it. It's just like I feel very comfortable creating on a one, like on on a quick snippet kind of and and build off of what I did last time kind of way. So that's how I tend to do these things and create these things. So that's why it's worked out so well um, here. Because, like you said, I was just, at that moment in time, I was very inspired to do my own thing because I was talking to Scotty Young and, all, and Jake Parker and all those guys. And Scotty at this point was like, I'm going to be start doing this little small project called I Hate Fairyland, right? Like I was in there in the genesis of that whole idea. And I'm like, yeah, I want to do my own thing too. And we were all being creative together. And that's where the Forest Folk thing. And I said, you know what? I'm going to do one page. And I know it would be very easy to quit and stop. So I'm just going to do one page a week and see how long I can do that, Right. And like you said before, like, you know, before you know it, there's a deck there. And I didn't even think about a book. I was just thinking about getting it done on time and also paying my bills and doing other work and relationships. And, you know, it just became part of my life. Like every Friday was just would do a comic for the Saturday. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, before, you know, like I'm talking to Ramon two years ago. And I'm thinking at this point, right around this time, I'm going, you know what, I need to self-publish. And I was thinking of going like the indie route where it goes straight to Amazon or whatever it is, or like, you know, like where each book costs, like you print on demand kind of stuff. Like that's what I was thinking of doing. Mm-hmm. But again, because I didn't know how to do it. And at the time I was con- con- uh, convinced Kickstarter wasn't going to work for me. Um, not, al- not only that, I was terrified of having to set all that up on my own because, you know, <laughs> I'm... I tend to, if I don't understand something, I mm-hmm. get very stressed out and, mm. 
that that is my blocker not yeah. necessarily the creation of a project but yeah. it's the execution of something is my blocker yeah so i, I had a whole you. bunch of blockers sitting in front of me for like making my own book well i'll get to it i'll get to it i'll get to it talk to ramon fast forward uh, about a year talk to him at, at a raid retreat where i met the raid crew for the most part and basically became a member like kind of overnight just by having a great time with them and them being super welcoming and whatnot and ramon actually the first time I really had a good conversation with him, I'd met him a bunch of times, but the first time I'd had a good conversation with him, he was eating steak leftovers from the night before <laughs> at this retreat. We're all out on this beautiful deck in the, in the autumn sun. And he goes, so I've been thinking about this thing. I really want to kind of get Ray Press started. And I want to start doing Kickstarters and developing our own books and stuff like that. Anthologies are coming along, but I want to do more than that too. And I want to, so like it'd be other properties. And he goes, I, I and this is when he looked at me and he looked at me and he goes, Forest Folk is great. And I was like, <gasps> he actually knows what it is. Like I hadn't told him what it, you know what I mean? Like he'd heard of it and he'd read it and he thought, and he literally came to me and he said he thought it was great. And he goes, I think that would be awesome to do as a book with Ray. And I was like, yes, where do I sign? Let's do this. You know, I, was, I was really pumped. So that's kind of, uh, I did, at that point, that I, I was at 250 comics, 200 plus comics. So yeah, like long, again, I'm terrible at this. Sorry, Eric, but a long story around back to your point of like, um, building slowly and not letting it all kind of get to you um, being like getting freaked out about like having to build Rome in a day right kind of thing like like you said I, I that's that was my story I literally just you know said if I do one of these a week then at some point I'll have something and I didn't know what that something some point was or even if it would be any good or if people would like it <laughs> or if I would even like it you know yeah. but it just kind of by the end, by where we're at now, it, it it it's cool to see it come into like become something, you know. I love and hearing these reactions to it is very very cool because they they look at it like it's something. Yeah, you know what I mean, whereas they they think it's even more something than I would think it's something because I'm you know as the creator you're always kind of you know oh, I could have done this better I could have done that or I don't like you know whatever. But it's really interesting seeing like my friends and people and people that I don't know even that have seen this for the, or looking at it for the first time and just being like, this is so cool. This is so cool. Yeah. And it's just, it's, you know, it's neat. It's, it's so much fun for me to hear these stories because, um, I love picking apart people's brains when they were, when they're creating and, and the journey that they go through. Like for me, when, when sometimes my friend sends me a, a song that he wants to work on, he's got an idea or a concept and you hear the music and all you have is a couple of words like that's all you got and you know that's going to inform what the rest of you do. And then you got, you know, maybe four more lines and you just see it, piece it together slowly. And, and some people can sit down and they've got the whole script ready for something, a whole verse, a whole song, everything written out. And you're like, how did you, how did you do that so fast? Like, where did that, people just, it's like a faucet that's open. But for some yeah. of us, that's too daunting. So you got to yeah. chip away. And you'll you'll get Mount Rushmore. They're just chipping away at it. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's it's so encouraging to hear uh, people's success at creating something for. And in your case, like you said, it was too much to cut off a big chunk. But before you know it, you got a stack. Yeah. And and so, do you have now the confidence if someone approaches you with a project? If 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 Scotty Young were to approach you, let's say, and, and you know, I'm going to be doing this, and I want you to do every other issue because our art styles are similar, but it'll be part of the story. I don't know how it would be, but you know what I mean? Would you be able to keep up that schedule now and have the confidence? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, 
and and I don't think it's not about confidence in the sense of like would I be able to actually execute the work because I, I I mean I've I can hit deadlines. I think that's probably a strength of mine is deadlines and being able to actually kind of go to work and get the job done. Right. So if Scotty Young had come up to me like you know two three years before all this force folk stuff and said hey do you want to do a gig with me X Y Z da 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 I would have been like yeah for sure let's get it done. Now granted I'm a better artist than I was like well we all are as you get you know as you go out I wouldn't have been able to be as good back or do as what good a job however that being said i still would have been able to get it done but i think what you're trying to say is like do i feel like i can handle um like do i get overwhelmed by by things yeah. now and i would definitely say creative wise like my own personal stuff i'm much more of like what i've learned is to skip past that should i should i should i and just start and just let it the chips fall where they may because yeah you know, like some something like something may be good, something may be bad. I remember I think somebody who where did I hear it? It may have been a Jake Parker thing, it may have been just some kind of professional, but they were like, You may hit like you may do I think it was when I was being really like I was really into Thomas and like this was like I'm just gonna do this, like uh, storybooks with him and whatnot. And I was like, This is my thing. And somebody somebody told me they're like, you know, you could there've been many creators that do this and don't like basically don't get discouraged if this is not your hit. Because yeah. you could do five more projects and the fifth one is the one that kind of goes, you know, the one you don't expect explodes, right? Because you can never tell. And then all the other stuff that you did or before becomes big. anything's going to be big, right? Yeah. You never know if everything's yeah. going to be big at all. But it was just for my, it helped me kind of push past this. Well, it does, so it doesn't have to be perfect to start it. Because I think a lot of artists feel like it has to be complete. Like I've got friends that are paralyzed by this and they're like sensational. Yeah. And it's like their struggles are like getting over the fact that they don't have it completely written out. They don't have the backstory. Like they, the, the, the thing that slows me down, I think slows artists down is like the Tolkien syndrome. So it's like, if you're building a world, like yeah. a lot of people have like this big epic world that they're building. Yeah. <clears throat> very easy to get bogged down in all the details, like your Tolkien, your Similarian or whatever that name of that book is. Like you don't, like you need, they're going, Oh, I can't start this. Cause I don't know how this, ends or how this starts or how these two things come together, how this and that, da, 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 da. So actually biting off a chunk of that and actually starting it and saying, cause once you do that, it feels very final, right? Yeah. So especially if you've been thinking about something for a long time, it's your baby. It's hard to take that bite and go, this is now the final thing. This represents my 10, 15 years of thinking about this project and, you know, you know, sweating about it and all that kind of stuff. So that's where a lot of, a lot of times, artists get hung up right yeah, yeah so what i've learned about this whole and it kind of worked out because it was just like i wasn't super attached to it i came up with the idea really quick it was two characters i had i'm like i want to do a little gag strip because they kind of bounce off each other let's give it a shot so i didn't let myself get hung up because i wasn't as attached to it i didn't get hung up on oh how should i start this so if 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 the story wasn't working well. I just, well, I'll go in this direction next time. Like I didn't care. So yeah. I had to kind of, so, but it's funny because like a lot of my friends have said to me, they're like, wow, I've been so impressed with the fact that you just kind of did it and you, you just kept going and you kept going and you kept going. And when I think back to it, I wish I had more of an explanation as to like, it's nothing special. You just, you know, do it. millions of people have done it before me. It's just, you kind of just do it. You just kind of like start yeah. and allow it to become what it becomes, right? So, 
you know, like you're going to have some great stuff and you're going to have some not so great stuff. But I think overall, yeah, people look at something creative and go, this is a cool, this is a thing. It's a thing. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be perfect because somebody will look at your book and take one thing from it and somebody will take something else from it and love it for something completely different. It's, you know it's, what I mean? it's so, the whole at the end of it all. It's the whole, not just all the little bits and pieces. And I, it's funny in this uh, particular medium of entertainment and, and, taking in information comic books are still something that is serialized so and and so much of what we read and collect is now put into graphic novels or omnibus or in your case forest folk is not just strips it's not just a sunday morning strip it's now collected in like a garfield calvin and Hobbes style comic collection and you have to remember like the one issue that wasn't great in that big collection doesn't mean that the whole thing isn't fantastic or just because one strip wasn't as funny as the last one doesn't mean that the next five aren't going to be good you know it's the whole you just got to keep doing it not in my case i i often say you know not every um rhyme that you write has to be profound and i get crippled by that myself because it's almost like you got to prove double like and because i respect the person who i'm working with if it's a yeah. writer or a producer, whatever it is, it's like I want that thing to be as good. Whatever. Well, that, that's that's just your art. That's just you being an artist, right? I mean, that's the, that yeah. comes with the territory. But I get exactly. I get what you mean, hundred percent. Because I mean, like, you you're not going to get to that great thing potentially if you don't stumble. I mean, it's like it's like that saying, right? You like you you have to fail to succeed, mm-hmm. right? So I mean, there's going to be many wins. There's going to be many failures, and then boom, a massive win. Boom, a massive failure. Not throw that out. Yeah. Oh, mini failure, mini win, mini win. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and then so you accumulate it and you got greatest hits. Right, exactly. So, I mean, it is what it is. And it's kind of like being able to, I think for me, the most thing I'm happy about in my growth is just as an artist is I definitely have the mindset of fuck it. You know, yeah. Just let it go. I, I used to be crippled by like this isn't good enough. Yeah. This, I mean, all I mean, I'm sure every artist out there understands that we all do, I and mean, I still do to some degree, right? But more often than not, now than I did maybe ten, even five years ago, I've definitely hit this point mm. in my career where I'm just like, you know what, this is me. Yes. This is what I. This is this is what I do. Yeah. And you know, I'm not Glenn Keane. You know, I'm not. Uh, Bill Watterson. I'm not, you know what I mean? Like it, and it's fine. Like that's okay. You're you. you. Know what I mean? like, yeah. Yeah. Am I, am I paying my rent? Yeah. I'm paying my rent. That's am I right. lucky? Like the, the amount of times dude, where like, I'll wake up and go, damn, like, yeah, I wish I had more money. Yeah. I wish I had, you know, like a house and this and that and this and that, and like all the, the financial success of all this kind of stuff. But I'm like, I've been able to do what I love for 22 years, you know, like I've been able to like draw for a living for and like live that's like, so important. That's so definitely important. well enough. Like it's not like I'm struggling by any means, right? But I mean, and and it's just those moments where you kind of look back and go, "Man, I was you know lucky and hard work and and a bit of luck and you know just perseverance, right?" And and I, I've count myself lucky to be able to say that I've been I'm an artist and I've been doing it professionally for 20 years, and and actually, it's kind of a trip sometimes when I think like that, right? Because I'm like, wow, you know, I didn't. You always hear starving artist, and here you are, a non-starving professional artist. Right? In the middle, yeah, I'm like yeah. middle of the road, uh, doing, <laughs> making my living artist, right? Like, it is yeah, what it is. Like, my job. Just, you know, like, 
yeah, it's my job. And, and it, it, a lot of times it's, it's, and a lot of people ask me this too, right? It kind of blends into the whole question of, well, you must love doing what you love. And like the fact that you get to work doing what you love and da, 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 da. And I, I always, now I'm at the point where I get kind of, I don't get my back up about it, but it kind of, it makes me sad because I would not want to do any other job. Don't get me wrong. Like, it's not like I'm like, oh, I want to trade this and become a, yeah. you know, yeah. astronaut or whatever, like, or, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. I, I constantly say I would do this job hands down over anything else. I'm not meant to do anything else. However, when drawing becomes, well, for me, when drawing became my livelihood over, you know, the 20 years, I guess I keep saying, which makes me feel incredibly old, but the, <laughs> the, the 20 years of my career, it has become a job. Right. So I don't I no longer very rarely do I get that feeling that I had when I was a kid drawing at the table and you're just like you're so excited to draw. Do you know what I mean? Like it's it's taken some of it's become my job that I love to do, but I don't have that like, you know, you enjoy your vacation when you don't have to bring pencils with you. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Whereas like when I was younger, I would take my, like that was my vacation was going and drawing stuff and creating a comic book and yeah. you know, like that kind of stuff. So you definitely lose a little bit of that, that charm and love. Yeah. But at the same time, I think what keeps me going, it's not all like, you know, shit and whatever. What keeps me going is like the success. I find little baby successes within every drawing still yeah. that make me love doing it. Right. So I'll be like, Ooh, I like how I did that hand or, I like how it, you know, the hair is looking good on this one or the pose or whatever. Like I like this character's eyes and it's, it's little victories like that, that let me keep going. Okay. I do like this job and I'm good with it. Um, but, uh, I don't, sorry. I think again, I've gone so far no, beyond no, what your no. original question was. Uh, it's a conversation. What it was? No, it's, it's a conversation, man. Keep going. Okay. Don't worry. <laughs> Whoever's listening can probably go back and figure <laughs> out where this all relates, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, um, yeah, it's just it is what it is. Like it's it, it's, you, it's you it's a good thing. It, it's it's, it's a, good to be grateful. I think we were we were getting on um we were just discussing how having gratitude for what you do have and enjoying like looking back and saying, "You know what? I could have you, you could look at everything with resentment if you want to or saying I could have been this or I could have been on that project or made this much money or whatever the case is. Shoulda, coulda, woulda, but we don't take enough time to really see what we've done in life and be mm-hmm. so grateful for how great it actually is because we, we forget. I, I forgot. I, I think it was Dave Chappelle um, and his documentary that is, is yet to be released, but we got to, we got to see it at his show. And it was, he said to an artist or a comedian where you sometimes forget that where you wanted to be is where you are now. Like, do yeah, you, do you realize true. like where you used to think, oh, I can't wait till I get there. You're there now. Yeah. So are you and aware you're of that? It Cause you're thinking about the next step. Yeah. You're thinking about, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it was him because it was uh, a fellow comedian. Uh, I forget her name now. The one with the red hair, Michelle. Uh, it's driving me crazy. Yeah, she was the one who did the, the correspondence dinner and she just shut down the dinner cause she was so good. Anyways, she was she was uh, just struggling with anxiety because of the unknown of what's next. Yeah, yeah. not recognizing where you're at and how yeah. much work you've put in, and it's it's really good yeah. to reflect on those things and to be grateful. And if there's room for improvement, then do it. Right, do what you yeah, want to do. For sure. 
but follow that follow that journey. Don't be scared of it. It's uh, that jump theory, right? Just jump. And yeah. you may not end up where you think. It may be completely different, but you needed to do that to find your path. Yeah, 100%. I couldn't agree with you more. It's it's a very good – you worded it very well there. And, um, yeah, I just kind of – I definitely – when I have those moments of kind of – I try to be grateful, especially nowadays. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually doing this thing now where I wake up. It sounds very hipster of me, but, like, I'm trying to wake <laughs> up now. And, and uh, every morning when I wake up, I'm trying to – I heard it somewhere. I can't remember where I heard it. But wake up and try and say three things I'm grateful for. You know, start my day off, like, you know, start off on a positive note, right? Like try and just kind of be like, so I've been doing that for the past probably two, three weeks now. And, and it's, it's things like that, that, you know, make you really, and the most, you know, I, I'm repeating them at this point, but there's like, usually there's an art one in there, you know, like I get to, to do this kind of stuff for a living, you know, and I don't, I don't have to wake up at the crack of dawn to get on the highway and drive for four hours to go to a job that I hate, you know what I mean? And so many people do. Yeah. You know, and I'm I consider myself very fortunate to to do what I do, you know, and and um if and if and if don't get me started on it. people like it, when people come up to me, like I still get blown away. It doesn't happen all the time, but like all of like somebody'll come up to me and like say, Wow, this changed me, this did that, this did, and this is something I did. And I'm like, What? Like I had a, a somebody came up to me at Fan Expo. Um it was, I won't say her name, but uh, it was it was a woman I'd never seen her before. She just came, she walked up, to, she walks cautiously up towards me. She looked, she was nervous, and uh, she was holding a Bravo Man book. Now, Bravo Man was a web comic that I did. We probably touched on it last time I was here, but it was when I had my whole uh, Japan stint. I, I worked for Bandai Namco and did a web comic with through Udon for Bandai Namco um, for about two years. I think we did. We did about 300 strips and it was part of their like retro comic web comic campaign that Bandai Namco was doing. And so we, we ended up compiling, Udon ended up compiling the first hundred or so strips into a book and sold it. And, and uh, we never got, it makes me sad that we we're never able to finish the collection because we got to 300 was, we finished the series at 300. And Crazy. so those are now lost to the ether because uh. Shifty Look owns them. Like um, Bandai Namco owns them and uh, they shut the project down at 300 and then by the time like the book the first issue wasn't the first volume wasn't selling that well at the time um so they're like no we're not going to publish another book like it's done it's done vaulted it and then that that book actually got picked up i don't know who put the work in to get it done or how yeah. the word got out but it got into the american library association or whatever like into like that that top 10 chart list of books to have in your library or something like that and it just it basically sold out all the copies of volume one, right? Crazy. And then it, but it's just one of those hidden stories where like nobody gets to see it anymore. But it, it had follower. I mean, there was like I think it was like fifty k unique uh, views uh, every time we put up a comic. Like it had a small following, right? And um, yeah. So, anyways, fast forward back to here. Um, this woman comes up to me and and she says. Hi. And I said, you have a Bravo Man book for one. Like you don't <laughs> see those anymore. And literally, I didn't even, when they were out, did I see any, right? Cause nobody yeah, yeah, them. yeah. And, uh, and uh, she's like, yeah, yeah. I, I love your work on, I think it was through Raid that she had known of, I found, discovered me. And she goes, I, I love your work. I follow you on Instagram and I love Forest Folk and I've got the Kickstarter. And then I had, I did a search on you and I found, Bravo Man, and I went to, I can't remember, she like some Toronto comic book store. 
and found a copy of Bravo Man, right? And bought like a copy like that was must have been just sitting on their shelf, you know, from like times past and brought it in for me to sign. And it was like the coolest, like I did a sketch in there for her. I did, you know, all this kind of stuff. Uh, and just was like, it just, oh, it felt so good when it's, when uh, it's, it's, it's almost like I can imagine like, you know, celebrities and whatever, like they get it all the time. Yeah. Right. Like how good it must feel to know that like somebody, one person has kind of like sees you as like talented or they like something you've drawn. Your work is meaningful. Or, yeah. You know what I mean? Like just that feeling of like, you're just at home doing this for a living slash because you enjoy doing it. And yeah. then, you know, you don't expect it to kind of, I mean, your dream is to obviously, you know, fall into that category of like, you know, sure. influencing people and making people feel good and all this kind of, everything you see on TV and da, 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 da. But when for little people like us, when it does happen, when somebody comes up and says that, you know, it's a very cool feeling. It's Absolutely. a very heartwarming feeling in that you just kind of want to do anything for that person. You're just like, <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Well, it's the fuel you need, right, to, to re- recognize like what I thought was just an exercise of discipline making this one week, one strip a week, it, it pays off. Like you, you gain a genuine fan, a genuine, and and what's better than knowing that something you said or something you created, uh, touched somebody in a positive way that, that makes them enjoy their day more. Like there's nothing better than that. And, And I mean, it's so easy to say it's so cliche, but Never lose that feeling, that memory. Because there could yeah. be a point where you'll have a lineup and people will be wanting to, you, you'll have a table of people that's your number one and your number one. It's like, oh, can you sign my book? Because they're collectors now, right? And uh, you can imagine that some of these, how many times has, has I don't know, name a singer of a generation or a, an artist that they someone comes up to them and says, oh, that's my favorite thing. It's like, yeah, I know. Let me guess. Yeah, yeah. You, Let me guess you like it. Yeah. You know, yeah. and you never want to lose that original feeling. You got no, it's true. You know, you got to stay true. humble, man. Oh, for sure. I, I will never not be humble because no, I'm not you. I'm just in, ge- in general, yeah. not you directly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get you. I get you. And I, and I, I mean, that's always a fear, too, right? Of like, how would I react if that was the case? But I, I definitely feel like I, I, saw, I hate myself too much in the sense of self deprecation of like my skill and stuff that I would ever become like. You know, even if I was, if even if it did blow up all of a sudden, like one fit twenty years down the road, I'm like you know bestseller, New York Times comic, whatever. Well, um, think, well, like, think about it like this, Dax. Like you did a Kickstarter that you wanted a certain amount, and you went way beyond that. So if that book was on a shelf in a bookstore, and the just general public were coming in to see it, people would pick it up. People would look at it. It's a good looking book, a good looking product. And it's a lot of fun. Like it makes you, f- it it harkens back to the comics that you grew up inspiring yeah, you, a, right? Yeah, it's our retro feel. Yeah, yeah. And sure. and people are looking for that one for them, but yeah. it, you know, so there has to it, it would it's going to be a hit one way or the other. I like it's going it. to have it's going to have a following for sure. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's a slow it's a slow go right now, but I mean, there are I'm, we're trying to now at this point uh, talks of you know getting it into bigger distributors kind of hands and stuff like that. You know, what I mean, because it's an indie book, right? Like it's, but I mean the, the the end game is to get it into more people's vision, right? You know what I mean? Like that's the that's the real goal, right? Like getting the more people that can see it, the better. You know what I mean? So it'll happen. Um, that's that's the next kind of step for me and the raid crew. Um, in regards to my book, 
is 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 trying to kind of push that uh, boundary of um, distribution and getting it into stores, hopefully at some point or whatever. And it's just, it's cool because you're right. Like, uh, and I know this cause I write it as my, I mean, even though people say, is this kid friendly? I'm like, absolutely. Like I write it with kid friendly, you know, um, dialogue and whatnot and, and concepts and whatnot, but it, there's definitely, it's definitely written for an adult kind of uh, dialogue. Like it's rich sarcasm. It's like every time I think of how I write it, I, a lot of times the voices in my head are like Vince Vaughn and uh, ah. Wilson and, and Wedding Crashers and something. You know what I mean? It's that kind of like back and forth kind that's of like perfect. quick. Yeah, quick yeah, that's perfect. Kind of snappy kind of dialogue stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So <laughs> yeah, like that's how, that's how I kind of think about it. So I mean like I know – that I'm not actually, this is what I know I'm not like the superstar writer because I just kind of go by the seat of my pants and kind of write it how I would write something. And what's cool is that it, when when people say, oh, it's retro, I'm like, well, yeah, I guess it totally is. Visually it is. I'm retro because I grew up at that time. <laughs> right, right, right. And so people that tend to grab this book or like pick it up and look at it are people like, my, like 30 to 40 yeah. years old. But the cool thing is like when people are walking by the con and picking this up, and they go and they show their kid, right? Like they're like, "Hey, check you. You like cartoons?" And yeah, like this little yeah, six-year-old kid yeah. who won't he won't even look me in the eyes because they're you know they're all nervous. There's a lot going on that day, and and then they look at it and they go, "Oh, cool!" And they're like, "Okay, I'm gonna get this from my you know we're gonna read this at home together." Do you know what I mean? And it's just it was such a cool feeling to see stuff like that happening. Real quick segue. I had a huge heartwarming story about this that kind of ties into the the Bravo Man story at the con. I brought. A, a cop, the Kickstarter, I had just gone and done the finish the signings at the, uh, Raid and like doing all the sketches and the ones that needed for Kickstarter and the signings and the stamping and all that kind of stuff. And one of my close, close friends uh, bought it and she accidentally clicked the, nope, you cannot talk to me, get out of here. <laughs> um, uh, she, she bought it, but she clicked the pick up in Toronto thing. Instead, but she's in St. Catharines. And I said, uh, you know what? I'm going up there to sign. I'll bring it for you. Anyway, it's fine. So I end up going over there to hang out, jam, play some guitar, have a glass of wine, catch up because we're good friends with her and her husband. And that night I I get out of the car and I'm like, oh, wait, she has two kids. They only bought one book. And I'm mm. like, she was just support, whatever. So I'm like, oh, I got, I, luckily enough, I got one in the back of the car, right? I got a box there for like gifts and stuff. So I take two books in give them their little bag of swag like the stickers and the, yeah. the buttons and all that shit that came with it and these girls had never seen this before like it's not like they were fans of the it was just like my friend was supporting me she's got two daughters at the age of like nine and six or something like that mm-hmm. the look on their face was awesome it's everything you could ever hope for for a fan reaction like it was just it warmed my heart like these kids were like not trying to show me they they weren't being polite they weren't whatever like they they the two girls have different personalities and they both picked the pin and I was like that's funny how one picked the Thomas pin and one picked the <laughs> you know the Filbert pin and like they were so happy with what they had yeah and, they, and, they, and one put up the vinyl the sticker thing on the window right away and then they were just kind of like flipping through it and like going and like laughing at stuff and and it was just such a cool experience the next day he got even better I get a, t- a picture a pic sent via text. They're road tripping and pictures of two of the girls in the backseat of the car, reading the book, smiling. I, I wasn't there. Like it was a day yeah, later, like yeah. they're just loving the book. Yeah. It was such a cool, cool moment. Like it was one of those like heartwarming 
moments where it's like you've actually done something that yeah. people don't need to know you. They don't yeah. need to know why. It's just they enjoy it for what it is. And that's, I think, my biggest takeaway uh, are those reactions. The fact that, you know, people are starting to enjoy it without even, you know, knowing who I am. That's so, so cool. And I think it's a great idea that um, all of all of the Kickstarter projects that all of you guys and gals are adding little pieces of swag, whether they're bookmarks, whether t-shirts, uh, 3D molds of, of whatever they can afford, because what it what it ends up doing is it makes like that extra merch makes the experience so much more tangible in a strange way. Like you would think mm-hmm. a book is enough, but when you get little tchotchkes of things it's like that's my superman figure and that's my t-shirt and that's my it becomes part of that for those kids all that stuff you gave them could be again not to be hyperbolic but that could be their garfield it's that first thing for them that registers something special that belongs to them especially ground floor up right imagine being that kid who gets the gets to see the first spongebob you know, they yeah, yeah. they knew the guy who made that and he gave it to them yeah. to kind of test it on. You know, that's so cool. Yeah, that's true. That's true, yeah. You never know, man, yeah, where these things can these go. These are cool. These are cool. The cool what ifs. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely a, uh, yeah, it's cool. It's it's all it's all good feels, right? It's all it's all good vibes. All You need that, especially now. Good experience. You, yeah. There's so much to, to irritate us. It's almost by design that you need to reflect on, like, all of, like you said, the three things in the morning that you're happy about. Before you go on, I call it the uh, what's that term from 1984? The, the daily hate when they would stand oh. up in front of the TV and and start yelling at the news being shown. I feel like we all kind of do that with our social media devices. We stay on it just enough to get frustrated and then we go get oh, our coffee. Sure. So yeah. the good vibes is everything we need right now. Um, yeah, yeah. Before you before you go, we got a little bit of time left. I had like a 21 question sort of setup that yeah, we that we could do, but we're not going to get to 21, but we'll get to a couple. So before before you go, I want to ask you some fun questions. Are they super deep or can no. we rapid fire? Uh, they might. You can rapid fire them if you want. You know what? It, it's, it's Your call, des- though. It's designed for it to go wherever. It could be rapid fire or I think between us, the way we we are, it'll, it'll, go, it'll go deep, which <laughs> is okay. Because of me. Yeah. No, I, you know, you know I'm how like I am that. at this point. I like to ramble. I'm, I'm, I'm right, exactly the same. Okay. Let's go. You've watched Inception before? Yeah. Okay. Everyone has a totem to let them know what's reality and what's the dream. Mm-hmm. What would be your totem? You're saying if I was in that universe, what would my totem be? Yeah. In life. If you if someone were to say, like, what's your totem? You're about to enter another dimension, but you need that thing to you you know how it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What would it be for Dax? Hmm. I think I think at this point it would have to be it would have to be my book man because it's the one thing that I've done that I've created if you take me if you if I go back before that it would be like a pen like something to do with art so it'd be like a uh, like one of my carmine red pencil nubs like this that I know like little, you know, ground down little things. Yeah. Uh, that I've poured many hours into that kind of like basically they mean a lot to you, right? Like, uh, but yeah, that might not be the right answer, but I think it would be that. I, I just, I feel like I would need something that I would know was mine, mm-hmm. you know, to kind of 
Like I know that doesn't necessarily work in the sense of a spinning top going in the right direction, but I think what you're saying is something that will bring you back to reality or bring you back to you. So I think that'll probably be me. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I, I, I like thinking about stuff like that because depending on where you are in life, uh, you might pick something different in that relationship or, you know, a child is born, but what would like there's there's those things in life that are so quintessentially us and it might be from our childhood or from a part of our life that people know end up knowing you for that so it's always interesting to think like deep in my mind what would those thing type of things be so i like that you have like the pencil or the book because they're so you know how that pencil feels mm-hmm. you would be able to close your eyes and pick one pencil from the other and know like no that's mine that's cool yeah. um if you're heading on a road trip and you're asked, you're in the passenger seat and you're in charge of music, what's well, getting played? Oh, shit. Oh, no. <laughs> I am so not cool, man. Like, I, I am I am top 40s guy until I die. Like, it's, I wish I could be that cool hipster guy who, like, you know, pulls out those, you know, not only B-sides, but, you know, like the bands that nobody's heard of and all that kind of shit. But I, I would say my, my strength is my eclectiveness when it comes to music. But that's the I, key though. You got to play like the song all. that people like. So I would like. basically say I'm, I'm always floored by people who have those lists. You know what I'm saying? Like that yeah. have the Spotify's that are 4,000 songs, a million songs yeah. long. Cause I, I don't have the patience to go through and like, I'm, I'm doing it now with Spotify. Like I'll put on like, but even that's the thing. I'm not, I'm not hardcore enough with music to like, <laughs> <laughs> search for new shit you know what i mean like i'll go to like my like i was like i'll put on things like chill pop or chill acoustics or da 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 but after a while those playlists run out and i run out of new tunes and i'm like okay well shit where do i go now but um yeah i know i love all music and you know in all fairness the one thing i used to say i hated well i guess i don't really like you know screaming death metal or anything like that but country was something for me that was like a no-no hardcore but even that i'm starting to like if it's the newer country stuff, I'm I'm a, I'm a, like a ballad sucker. Like I like those the the one the one five four six chord progressions. Like I like the your your hit at home kind of like stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, so like the fact that country has that shit in it now, like I listen to that. I'll listen, I love hip hop. I love old school R and B. I love old school hip hop. Uh, like I grew up. Like my first two cassettes I ever owned. Maybe we'll do that. First two cassettes I yeah, ever owned. Yeah was grade eight and I was on a field trip to Ottawa. I'm sure, I don't know if you remember those, but we had like, yeah. I don't know if your school did them, but at grade seven and eight, you would do yeah. like a trip to like Montreal or Quebec city or some shit like that. So I think we went to Quebec city. <clears throat> my mom gave me 20 bucks for my per diem. Basically it was like <laughs> my only spending money for the three days. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like we had meals and stuff, but I mean, like we didn't have a lot of money and the fact that she even got me on that trip is a whole other story. It's like heartwarming, but, uh, I'll, t- I'll tell it just because I have to. So anyway, so the uh, I'm this trip you had to sign up, you know, yeah. months of in advance. It was a three day trip, weekend trip. All the cool kids were basically all the kids in school were going. We couldn't afford it. Like I was pretty. We didn't have a lot of money back in the day. And I will never forget the morning when she said she came into my bedroom. Like I was bummed because they were all leaving and I was going to go to school with the rest of the ten kids that couldn't go. Right? Yeah. And she literally walked in and handed me my lanyard and said, get your stuff ready, you're going. And it, that was one of those moments where, like, you know, you know, as a kid, as, like, a 10-year-old kid, like, your Huge. mind is just, like... Huge. You know? So she gave me my 20 bucks. That was my spending money was 20 bucks. And so I remember at that point, I didn't even have a head, like, a Walkman, right? 
or did I have, maybe I had a really shitty one. Anyways, I just remember borrowing my friends too. Cause like my friends hooked me up. This guy, he was like the music guy. Yeah. And I'm like, he was listening to like all the, the hip hop back then. Right. Like the, the, well, I, mean, I don't want to spoil it, but the point is, um, <laughs> uh, he was listening to his beats and he had like one of those yellow Sony sports. Yeah. 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 Which was the shit back then. Yeah. Right? I didn't have that. I had like one of those, like, you know, like yeah. little black boxes, you know, <laughs> you, know, you can only fast forward. Yeah. So you have to turn the tape around yeah, and fast yeah. forward it. And it worked. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had that. And, um, but I don't even think at that time I had a Walkman. Uh, so anyways, we, we, we get there and, and I said, Hey man, I, I want to buy some tapes. I want to buy some tapes. Like, like, what should I get? He took me to a sunrise in, in Quebec city and he goes, these ones are pretty good. And he just basically took, he was listening to hip hop. I had never listened to it before. Nothing. Right. And he goes, these are good. So the first two tapes I bought for like $8.99 a pop. What year was it? Uh, shit, I don't know, man. That, I'm pretty old. Uh, what year? Man, you're you're going to try. You want to try and guess. I want right? to guess it. I want to guess okay, it. Okay, you yeah, know what? I'll yeah, search yeah. it right now. Let's see here. I'm a nerd for this type of stuff. See no, now, fair enough, fair enough. See now, I wish now I wish we could keep going for another three hours. <laughs> this, this is the well, type of. This I'll is, come back on here with you. Yeah, we got to do this again soon. But yeah, the year. Let me see if I could guess it. Hang on, hang on. Over, over here. Let's just... What I'm year were you born? This. If you don't mind me asking. On a okay, point. we'll say eighty-seven. It was nineteen eighty-seven. Yeah, sounds about 87, 80. I probably picked it up in 88, but it probably just, it was probably new. It was new. Okay. So I'm going to guess. Um, this is released in 87, this album. I'm going to guess paid in full. <laughs> no, but I did get in. A buddy <laughs> made me a mixtape that had some of that on it. Um, uh, KRS One. Uh, no. Uh, all right. Tell me. Think think more. Think more, I guess, pop version of, 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 LL of cool that J. era. LL Cool J and Run DMC. There you go. It was it was LL, LL Cool J bad so or I don't know if that's bigger and deafer but it was the bad you know I eliminate punks cut them up in chunks <laughs> so, so there was that one and yeah. then uh, uh, Cool Modi How You Whoa. Like Me Now so or whatever that album was right I think it was How You Like Me Now wasn't it they were the one they with were Wild Wild West on it yeah Wild and they Wild were Wild and they battled uh, around that time yeah so they were the, like anyways were my, the my buddy guys. shows me that and I'm like. I pull, you know, those those big plastic cases yeah. from the sunrise. You pull yeah, them out, yeah. take them up to the front, unlock it with that key. Yeah. But those were the two the, the two albums. So you know what? If I was to say quintess, like that was the quintessential, like my first music. And I, of course, as a kid, then I, all I did was eat, sleep, and breathe these two tapes. Right? Like burn them to the ground. Like literally, like they they ripped. I listened to them so much on my little purple stereo. You know, my little purple ghetto blaster. Fantastic. Um, but yeah, anyway, so music-wise, I love all, anything that, like, I'm definitely not a musician, but I would say the thing that gives me, going back to the thing we talked about earlier, art doesn't give me that same kitty giggles. Mm-hmm. Music does that for me now. So if I play a couple chords that sound good, to, and I get that, I get that, like, excitement. Like, I wish I had pract- I wish I had done music when I was a kid. You know what right. I mean? Like, I feel like I wish I had done that. You know, because right now I'm just this hack who can barely play campfire songs. But <laughs> when I do create stuff and I'm like dabble in writing songs and stuff like that, like I get a real rush from doing that. You know what I mean? So it's like I've always been kind of very, very, very emotionally influenced by like chord progressions and like those kind of ballad power ballad kind of like the Coldplay vibe, you know, like that kind of just like heavy piano 
acoustic, mm-hmm. you know, gut wrenching kind of stuff. Yeah, I've always I've always been really attracted to. So basically, if if a if a if a, a genre of music has something of a melody that I a vocal melody or a uh, I guess it would be a musical melody, like whatever the riff yeah. is in the song, or whatever like that, I'll like it and I'll I'll rock that for days. So that's my music. That's my music. Uh, it would be uh, a fun road trip. Those those are fun songs to listen to. See, that's the thing. Like, I would turn it around to you and say, I know you're a music guy. Let's get into you. I would say, (laughs) let's hear what you... They take me on Eric's musical journey. And I would love it. I would love every minute of it. And so I would then take some of that and put it into mine. I'd Frankenstein it into mine. But yeah, I'm very much a a, a, a lemming when it comes to music because more everyone always has better, like, new music, new music that I haven't heard. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm into it. When it comes to being up on music these days, I... I am not the guy anymore. I used to be, but uh, not so much. I'm an old <laughs> old guy. Everyone's like, yeah, you only listen to the old stuff now. I'm like, you know what, though? I hate to be that guy, but the 90s was a really great decade for music across the board. Across the board. Of course it was. And yeah, 90s is great. It, it was like the... The it's the peak of what everything was building up to. You got a little bit of all of that in the 90s. And it yeah. was... If it was alternative rock, it was really good. If it was metal rock, yeah. it was really good. Like everyone yeah, was at yeah. the top of their game. Nineties was no, good, I man. Agree. It's, t- it's tough to that's beat. That's what I love about this stuff, though, dude. I love about things like music, and I'm sure like drawing artists. That's all. It's all this art is all the same. But it's like, it none of it can ex- exist without the other. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Like yeah. it all builds on. Like it's all built since the fifties, the forties, the third. Like it's it's like the music we have now, and it always does these beautiful little cycles back and takes takes stuff like it's like a ice cream scoop going back to the 60s the nice. 70s yeah. the 80s right now you know what i mean and like oh the 90s ooh, pull this back in right because now that's retro the 90s is fucking retro crazy. now but that's it's just crazy. like <laughs> 2000s is retro it's but it's true right like yeah. Britney spears is like retro as shit right now that's so nuts. like you see the, the girls the girls at the bar now are like going hit me baby one more time like and they weren't alive when that shit was out you know that's what i mean like it trips me right out I know. So, but that's what I love about music and art and stuff like that is it's, it's always just building on the things before and it's okay to do that. You know what I mean? Cause I mean, it wouldn't be like anyone who says you, they get music, not so much because again, there's only so many chords and all this kind of stuff, right? There's, there's those rules. But when it comes to drawing art, I feel like a lot of people like kind of shit on, Oh, well, like that's not, you know, an original idea. That's not this. I mean, yes, you want to be original. You don't want to rip somebody or bite somebody's shit. But at the same time, um, like uh, my drawing style wouldn't exist if it wasn't for things like Garfield, Bill Watterson, Hagar, the horrible uh, Looney Tunes, uh, Disney movies. Uh, so all that shit is in my work. hundred percent. But like they, they it's, it's say all... there's three, there's three steps, right. To when you're becoming your own artist, there's, um, imitation. Um, I forgot what it was. There was like mimicking, but then there's, you imitating, then there was almost that next level where you're you're doing. I don't I don't remember the exact points, but it was that yeah, yeah. point of like you're, tra- you're like tracing and then you're imitating and then you're finding yourself by all these others. Yeah. Before you know it, you're your own entity. But if you look back at where you started from, it's like well you were aping that in the beginning. But you 100%. find yourself. You ha- that's the only way you're going to do it. No one ever is just going to come out with a completely original voice. It just doesn't. It doesn't happen. I mean, there's going to be your your you know your snowflakes like your your sure. Mozart's and your that you know like your 
your your uh, geniuses. But I agree with hundred percent with what you're saying. That's like that's like one in a million people, right? Like your average artist slash creative person slash anything really is it takes work and it takes being inspired by stuff and it takes. Uh, I know we talked about this in the last podcast. But uh, people ask all the time about how do you make your style? How do you do this? You know, I'm trying to learn to draw. How do I create a style? And everyone is so, I mean, I was there too. I asked those questions too. I asked the brush questions. I asked what's the shortcut to getting to how you draw. And, you know, only in the past maybe 10 years have I had the answer. And the answer is you just practice and you do the things that you don't want to do, i.e. like I went to college. I did like the... Uh, you don't have to go to college, mind you, but I did like the life drawing stuff and I should do more life drawings. I still should be doing more, and I, but I don't. But I mean, like life drawing, study life stuff, uh, anatomy, perspective, which I'm terrible at. Um, but like, these are all the things that are the basis, right? Yeah. For, for art. So you got to kind of learn those tools and then, um, then you'll start to understand why you like, say somebody like Joe Matarera or, you yeah. know, like, um, Todd McFarlane or just in the comic world or like Glenn Keane and animation or, you know, like all these amazing artists in the, around the world. And you're just like, okay, so I really, that, that is like Joe Mad for me was like a huge inspiration when it came to comic books. So I was basically a Glenn Keane guy who, who was like a lead animator at Disney for many years, the beast from beauty and the beast, Aladdin, all like, like he was like, it just somebody like, and I remember I didn't know why I loved it, but when I got into animation, I was like studying his like, uh, scenes and like his rough drawings and stuff like that. And I was like right up my alley. I was, I was loving that guy. Joe Mad was around the same time before I went to college and he was like, wow, I love anime. Even though I didn't know I loved anime, but it was just always drawn to it. And then he's kind of merging this into this kind of North American style. So I remember when I would draw kind of like superhero kind of stuff, I was aping the shit like, out of Joe Mad, But at the same time, I wasn't good enough to draw like Joe Mad, So I'd get frustrated and pretty much stop. Right now, um, you can take different routes to this, but the point is my inability to copy Joe Mad and be able to copy Glenn Keane and all the people that I admired through the process of just forcing myself to create something, draw, 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 draw pieces of those things like knuckles of how he draws that and like the, the flowiness of these lines from this guy and from this girl and the, the, all your inspiration that's the stuff that creates your own style. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like if by through repetition, yeah, how I draw somebody, I've got a bunch of styles. Like I, it was so cool. I had a, a girl tell me the other day, I was chatting, we were a fellow artist and I, and I never met her before really, but we were just chatting online and, and she said, she saw, I put, showed her a pic of uh, one of the commissions I was doing. She goes, wow, you have such a really cool, like old timey style. And she was talking about, it was, it was a Superman sketch I was drawing for like, and I, I'm not good at doing comics, so it's kind of this weird hybrid between, like, Astro Boy and a comic character, you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. this, this thing. And she's like, it's got such an old-timey feel, like a retro kind of, like, old, but it's really cool. And, it, you know, it's she goes, I'm not, it's not an insult at all. It's just, like, a really neat thing to see. And I was just like, she goes, nobody does that anymore. I'm like, well, that's cool that you see that because, I mean, like, you know, that that's technically my style. You know what I mean? Like that's right. So when kids come up with these bright eyed, bushy tailed kids come up and say, what's your, how do you do a style? I'm, I'm starting now. Like, how do you make it? You know, how do you do a style? And I'm like, your style, <laughs> the way I explain it is your style is your inability, inability to mimic all of your influences. That's right. That's right. <laughs> right? And before you know it, it's all of yours. that mashes through repetition, mashes into how you draw stuff. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, there's so much about baby Tarzan that is in my kid characters that I draw. 
Right. Right. Like I grew up on that shit. Um, Calvin and Hobbes, like that kind of proportions, like the little kid proportions, three apples high, yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's, it's all over my work all and Looney Tunes all over my work, especially now that I'm drawing like animal characters. Uh, I noticed like when I first started doing the forest folk, it was very trying to be Calvin and Hobbes. Then it went into a Zootopia feel. Cause I was really, that was when that movie came out. And I mean, the designs in that film are unbelievable. So I was, when I first designed Benny, it was like, I want a bunny in my story and I need a new character. So yeah. like the first drawings of Benny were like Zootopia Benny as he went along and I had to start pumping these things out and you're paying less attention to it. He elongated and he became it's, more it's like, like the, the signature, re- right? It's like when you're yeah, a kid he became and more you're like, like the rest of the characters, he yeah. became, you know, like more kind of like Looney Tunes. And like, I started realizing as I'm drawing these things in the shorthand, like what looks good? Oh, this looks good. And I start going, this is starting to look a lot like Looney Tunes. You know what I mean? Like he's like my Wiley Coyote. Like it's, it's, but it's, it is what it is, right? Like that's a, and I go, well, that was a huge inspiration for me growing up. I used to watch that shit all the time, all the time. Yeah, the golden good. age of that shit. Oh, was a huge influence for me. So I love that. Uh, stuff. Yeah, I mean, for artists out there listening, it, just draw, practice your craft. So actually, you know, like try and learn like your anatomy and your perspective and your back, like your drawing from life and all that kind of stuff. Your teachers tell you you don't necessarily want to do. You have to do that because it gives you kind of like a basis. You know, you think of your foundation of your house of mm-hmm. of, uh, of art, and then draw what you love and what you enjoy and then Good advice pull in what inspires you like do that wall of fun like put put all the stuff up that you love like i got stuff like this i've got like these guys these infinity guys around my desk right i love i love the design i think they're fantastic and they inspire me to like oh okay like oh i like that the how the arms are shaped i still look at stuff like that i'm inspired by that so put all that stuff up and continue to draw because you love to draw. Because I hate to tell you, just like every other person that says going for your dream, if you don't love it and want to bust your ass on it and spend those hours and do it, you're not going to be successful. You're not going to come out the other end going, like feeling good about the stuff you do. Right. So, I mean, like I'm honestly, I mean, I know everyone's different, but I'm honestly 22 years, like I said, into the industry. And only now am I kind of like comfortable with what I produce. Do you know what I mean? Like I hated. I was so insecure about like imposter syndrome, like all that kind of stuff. Like I was very insecure about how bad, like how I wasn't good enough at this point in my, in my career. I wasn't X, Y, Z. And then you just get to a point where it's like only two years, two, three years ago, did I go, you know what? When I have a job, if I sit down, I'm not stressed about it anymore because at, at the end of the day, I'll be able to create something that's that right. will get me paid. That's right. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm not, I'm not scared about creating the actual drawing anymore, which it was for a very long time. It was like, is this foot going to look right? Is this arm going to look right? You know, all that kind of stuff. But it just takes practice. Like what, what's that? I think I remember hearing John Mayer saying it, but I'm sure everyone in the world has said it. But it's like you need fifty thousand hours to become an expert at something. There's like a, there's like an actual. Yeah, I don't. I, I think, I think it's in the tens of thousands. I don't know if it's like ten thousand hours of practice, and then you, you are, you know an expert or a professional but it, yeah it, it doesn't hurt to keep doing it like those yeah it's just, just what going. i'm trying to say is that like for for the young kids coming up because i asked the same questions i said the same things I, I wanted to know you know how do i get to here put one foot in front of the other if you love it then you will in 20 years time look back and go huh. 
Yeah. Yeah. So this, this is what he meant. This is what he meant. Yeah, man. And, and that's, it's literally all, it's your personal journey, you know, but if, if you love to draw, if you love to sing, if you love to play music, if you love to create in any way, sculpt, whatever you dance, whatever you're doing, um, the art field is very kind of the same when it comes to the higher, bigger picture of yeah. like the amount of time you put in the love you have for the game and, uh, and, and just don't be shut down to criticism don't be shut down to learning new things and just your repetition, you'll get to where you want to be or the struggle of getting to who you want to be will be the reward when you finally do one day go, you know what? I may not be, I mean, I still don't go, I think I'm the best I can be because you're never not going to be the best you can be, but you will get to a point where you kind of go, oh, yeah, that feels good. Yeah. It feels good to know that, you know, I've kind of, I, I'm established in what I do. You know, and it's and it's uh, that's I that's important way to go. But it's a good feeling to know that I don't hate what I do yeah. anymore in the sense of what I produce. So be proud that to be for you. a long time crippled me. And it's nice to know that. So for those kids out there that are thinking about it and going, I hate what I do and I want to just be good. Just takes time. You'll get there. You just got to practice a lot and do what you love and and you'll get there. Yeah, that's great advice. That's a great way to end it. Thank you so much for uh, staying with us a little bit longer. I, will, I hope we do this we'll again. Have to come soon. back and do the rest of those questions. Yes, yes. I hope we do it soon. It'll be fun. I, we'll get into for some. Sure. We'll get for into sure, some man. good stuff. Thank you, Dax. Uh, where can people follow you? Uh, you can follow me on socials all over the place. Dax Gordine. Uh, that's Facebook. You'll find me there. Um, you can actually just go to my website for people that don't even know who I am. It's daxgordine.com. dot uh, D a x g o r d i n e dot com, and that's my website. And across the top, you'll see facebook and or all the you'll see all the stuff the store the force folk comic and all that kind of stuff you can find me there dgd underscore underscore gee on instagram and twitter you can find me there follow me there and i love chat with me all you want i love i love talking to the to uh to fellow creators and fans and whatnot so yeah but no eric uh thank you so much for having me it's always a pleasure talking to you we have to do it again yeah it's great and, uh, next time next time we'll ask you about you i want to hear about more about your music and, and shit like that because every now and again like i remember we talked about it originally you said that yeah. you used to you know spit some bars and i was like all excited and i said yeah your voice kind of has this like uh what is it uh beastie boys vibe too like yeah. you've got that kind of like old school kind of like you know vibe to your voice and you and and you just brought up writing music today so i kind of want to talk about music maybe next time that'll be fun yeah let's do it i'd, I'd love to i'm uh, i'm trying to spread the podcast subject matter out a little bit more so i i've been doing a few more hip-hop related stuff so yeah let's do it i'd love to nice all right buddy. Yeah, I'd love to. you have a all good right, one you take care and everyone stay tuned for more episodes of the cave of solitude thank you dax and make sure you check cave out solitude <laughs> peace
right, I put right, I put right. 